Hey everybody, welcome to the Design by the Hive show where I get to dive deep into designer brains and disentangle their craft in order to gain insights on their creative process, the magical utensils they use to make sparks fly, and their personal recommendations of resources worth studying. This episode is a Q&A with web designer Brad Frost where we discuss faking it till you make it, healthy plateaus, and collaborating. You should say hi to him on Twitter at Brad underscore Frost. Enjoy. Tell me the story of how you came to be a web designer. Ha. Uh, well, aside from building uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, websites on GeoCities uh, back in like 1997, I... I got my start uh, for real designing websites, started a band in in college and the band needed a website and all that. And so I sort of started down that path. But um, I actually in in university, I started out as a music major, but ended up switching over to uh, a program called Media Arts and Design, which uh, sort of had a sort of a a web design class and, you know, a flash class and a Photoshop class and stuff like that. So I sort of, you know, was already doing my band's website and then I sort of switched majors and got exposed to, you know, making websites, I guess, uh, for, for my classes. And sort of, it was at that point that I sort of considered that to be a, a viable career option. So once I graduated, I, uh, uh, that's what I started looking for jobs, uh, you know, in, in that field, I guess. So, uh, so a, a bit of college, but I'd say that, you know, my program, it wasn't like a, a super intensive, uh, program from like, a like we're going to teach you everything that goes into, you know, the web design process and stuff like that. Um, uh, looking at a lot of curriculum now, uh, it's, it's pretty wild how, how far we've come. Uh, but yeah, back then it was like, Oh, here's, you know, here's Dreamweaver, here's Flash and here's some things you could do with that. So it was sort of up to us to, to sort of take it and run with it. What was the ultimate factor that led you to change your major from majoring in music to majoring in web design? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, so I went to James Madison university, which is in, uh, uh, Virginia here in the States. And, um, uh, basically I love music. I love playing music. Uh, and so I wanted to be a music major, but ultimately I was more attracted to the sort of, uh, studio recording side of things, right? Like the sort of engineering side of things and, um, uh, performance at the school, uh, was mostly around sort of like either jazz or classical and stuff like that. And while I love that stuff, that's actually not generally what I, what I play. And in order to have a music major, you had to play an instrument, which meant, you know, you had to do all this sort of classical and jazz stuff and spend a lot of time in sort of a a practice room, practicing scales and stuff like that. And, uh, as much as I love playing music, I, that I knew that that's not what I wanted to be spending my time doing. So I actually found that as a 
if I could switch a major, I'd actually be able to take more recording classes and more sort of engineering classes as a music industry minor uh, than as a music major. So that that was sort of a big, uh, you know, prompt for the shift. But then also, you know, uh, this program, the Media Arts and Design program, was really attractive to me just because it was, you know, sort of along the lines of art. Um, my mom's an art teacher, and so I've always been, you know, really attracted to that. Uh, you know, spend a lot of time in high school in the art room and stuff. But at the same time, it was more sort of applied arts rather than sort of fine arts and stuff. So, so there's sort of like a couple, a couple factors that led to the led to the the switch in majors but i'd say that uh you know i'm really happy i landed where i landed just because it's like uh, what web design is 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 this really beautiful blend of sort of you know art and and sort of you know programming and application and stuff like that sort of like logic and art sort of right right brain left brain sort of stuff which is great definitely when on deadline what is the first thing you do in the morning do you take any days off and what determines if you had a successful day? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I have no sort of semblance of, of schedule really, <laughs> um, uh, or, or routine. I should say I float around, uh, it really depends on, you know, the week and stuff. So for instance, this, these last couple of weeks I've been on the road. And so I travel into, I do workshops at companies and sort of consult with different companies and, you know, do actual sort of, you know, front end development work for companies and stuff. So speak at conferences and stuff. So it's a good chance I'm in the air and stuff, uh-huh. I guess. But, uh, uh, but at the same time, uh, when I'm home, I tend to sort of wake up try to stretch, get coffee, and then sort of will try to bash out something that I know is important, uh, you know, for the day. Uh, so it's like, if I, if I did nothing else, I did this, uh, that's, it's often easier said than done. Uh, but at the same time in the morning, it's, uh, you know, it is really nice to sort of start that day with that one thing that's fresh in your mind or that thing that you really want to make sure you get done. Um, so that's, that's generally sort of how I, how I do things whenever deadlines are on and I'm sort of pushing, you know, to, to do stuff, I tend to just sort of work whenever and wherever. And that often means a lot of long hours and stuff like that and irregular hours. But I tend to be the kind of worker that, you know, when the inspiration strikes or when I feel like, you know, the, the spark to do something, I try to capitalize on that. And sometimes that means, you know, at, at 11 at night, I'm starting a a session or something (laughs) when I can't get to sleep or something, I gotta, I gotta sort of wake up and do something about it. Do you feel like you accomplish more creatively during the morning or during the night? Uh, I'd say both with a big lull in the middle, <laughs> you know, that's sort of like late afternoon. Yes. It's like everything's just sort of, it sort of moves into slow motion and you just sort of feel groggy and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know, like it, in the morning, I tend to be a little more, I, I found that I'm a little more kinetic in the morning. So 
you know, one thing I sort of find myself doing, and I guess I take after my mother on this, but it's like, uh, just wake up and just sort of, you know, put things in their place and sort of just like tidy up and, and sort of run around a little bit. So I'm sort of productive in, in a more kinetic sense, I think in the morning, uh, computer stuff, uh, tends to be that, that sort of night, you know, night shift sort of stuff whenever everybody else is sort of, you know, left the office and stuff like that. It is dark and there's sort of, you know, nothing else to do beyond just, you know, sitting with your screen and sorting out some problems and stuff. So, um, yeah, it, it, again, it all really depends. And because I don't really have a routine, you know, a lot of, a lot of my best work or my, you know, my best like productive work, I guess, or most productive work, um, is, is on planes and stuff where you have this sort of finite amount of time where you're in the sky, uh, you know, unless I want to pay for the, the internet connectivity, it's like just sort of like left there with, you know, a chunk of time and a computer. And I found that to be really helpful to, to sort of get things done. In that kind of moment of solitude, I think so. That is how it works for me, too. I really need those moments to get anything really accomplished, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough, and and I think um, th- there's some some interesting stuff around, you know, the whole open office plans and stuff like that. That you know, a lot of technology companies have gravitated towards and stuff, where it's just like one big open room, and you're like, you don't have time to yourself. You know, you don't have like time to just sort of hole up and get things done. And, and obviously there, there are benefits to sort of being in close proximity to other people. But I'll say that that's a, that's a, a common frustration I hear from a lot of people, you know, friends and, and clients and everybody else. It's like, yeah, you know, sometimes you need that, that little alone time to just sort of hole up and, and plow through something. Definitely. What was your biggest fear when you first started your career? Uh, I would say, you know, so so right before I graduated, um, a couple alumni came in and talked to us, and they recommended uh, a book, which is uh, uh, Designing with Web Standards by Jeffrey Zeldman. And they said, you know, hey, if you're if you're interested in this whole web design thing, uh, this is a you know this is a great book on it. And and sure enough, it was. So so I sort of gra- I graduated. It was a couple weeks before graduation, so I ordered the book. And as I was sort of sitting there unemployed in my sister's apartment, uh, you know, sort of I was reading this book and sort of realizing that I didn't know a whole lot about you know how you know, the web gets built and should be built. And so as I was sort of getting started, I think a big, you know, a big, I, I don't want to say fear, but it was, it was something I knew I had to overcome was, uh, you know, was just getting the chops, you know, getting like that experience, learning how things get done, learning what all goes into, you know, making a website and deploying a website and, and all of that. And that involved a lot of sort of technical stuff that I had no idea, you know, that I, I didn't come from a computer science background or anything like that. So all this, you know, servers and SSL certificates and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, uh, and I just sort of, you know, fake it till you make it sort of thing, I guess. But, uh, uh, 
that, that I think in the early days of my career was probably the biggest thing was just, was just figuring out what all goes into this whole process and just sort of trial by fire, just sort of like learning on the job, like learning as you go. Would you say you were able to learn most of the stuff you felt was out of your league through books or by just doing it and gaining experience? I think, yeah, I think doing it. I mean, there, there's certainly, you know, a fair amount to, to learn uh, from books. And I think a lot of it comes down to when it comes to, to education, you know, I think different people learn in different ways. And it's important to recognize that some people, you know, long form reading and books and things like that are, are you know, really resonate with some people. Uh and it's good for certain topics. I'd say like introducing, you know, philosophies or or methodologies or sort of, you know, learning, you know, sort of how to approach something. Um, you know, books are, are a great vehicle for that. But when it comes to actually sort of ruling up your sleeves and learning like really technical stuff, uh, I think that there is, uh, you know, really no substitute for actually doing the damn thing. Um, and that's why it's it's really cool to see uh, courses like Code Academy and and uh, Khan Academy and stuff like that that actually sort of helps people walk through uh, how to program, how to do things, and stuff like that. Where you're not just reading about code, you're actually doing it. And uh, so I think that that stuff is really helpful. But yeah, in those early days, I mean. At, once I got my my first job, I eventually moved to New York City and got a job where I was the only web developer uh, at a company that was doing uh, a lot of sort of uh, fashion e-commerce sites. And that was especially, you know, just way out of my depth, just trying to figure out like, okay, so I need to install this CMS. Okay. I need to, you know, wire up these, uh, you know, payment gateways and credit card things. And, uh, you know, I have no idea how, how this stuff works. So you just sort of on the job, just have to figure it out. And that involves a lot of, you know, Googling and sort of asking around and <laughs> stuff like that. So <laughs> So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty sloppy process and I'd say that, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's, you know, how you, how you learn, I guess, how you, how you level up, how you, how you get experiences to just actually do it, learn from your mistakes, try not to, you know, repeat those mistakes in the future and then just sort of try to set that knowledge aside so that if you have to do, you know, a similar task again, you can sort of come back to it and go, oh, okay, yeah, I remember how I did this last time. Definitely. Would you say in the beginning you were learning a whole lot more than you are currently at this point? point? Yeah, there's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to, to sort of view that, I mean, I think in any career trajectory or skill trajectory, it's like you have this sort of massive ramp up in the beginning and you sort of see it, you know, if you visualize a graph, you know, it's like this like big slant, like where all of a sudden you go from knowing nothing to knowing a lot. Um, and then you, you tend to get uh, you tend to get cocky a little bit, you know, where it's like, oh yeah, like I have this, I have this sorted out. But then of course you you come to the realization that uh, that you don't know a whole lot, uh, and so that sort of dips down a little bit, and then you sort of, and then you you sort of go from there. So I'd say that you know it's 
you know, 10 years into this thing, uh, it's not that I'm learning more or less. It, it is just sort of at a different pace, I think. You know, whenever you're going from zero to, you know, 60 or like, you, you know, you're going from nothing to knowing a lot, that could happen in a short period of time. But then you do plateau uh, and then you're able, you know, that plateau, I think, is healthy. Uh, in that it sort of helps you assess, you know, where you're at, where the, you know, the holes in your skill set are and stuff, and then sort of, you know, trying to figure out what you need to do in order to, to fill those holes in. So that's sort of, that's sort of where I feel I'm at and where I'd say a lot of people are, are, uh, that do this kind of work is once you get your head around the fundamentals, once you get the sort of, yeah, the, the, the foundation in place, then there's an exciting opportunity, I think, to sort of choose your own adventure and, you know, sort of gravitate towards uh, one area or another to, to sort of focus on because it's it's impossible to focus on everything, that's for sure. And this field is, is doing nothing but continuing to explode. Uh, so that sort of spe- that specialization is uh, critical, I'd say, um, in order to... to sort of sink your teeth into something. Definitely. What is the best career advice that you've ever received? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I would say fake it. A buddy of mine, uh, fake it till you make it, um, uh, <laughs> is, is, is good advice. Again, I think that, you know, you do have to you have to approach this field with a sense of humility, um, you know, that you can't, you can't go into it feeling like, you know, everything you have to go into it with an appetite to, to learn and to, you know, make mistakes and, and sort of just roll up your sleeves and, and do some stuff. And sometimes that means, you know, any LinkedIn profile or any job opening will often have a, you know, bulleted list of like 30 things that they want their candidates to, <laughs> to follow. It's like, you must know, you know, this, 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 and this. And of course that's just silly. I mean, like nobody, nobody's going to tick all of those boxes or whatever. So, so there is this, this notion of, you know, well, I, I feel like I could do some of these things well. Those things that I, I don't know, uh, you know, I'd be willing to learn. Um, and so that that is, you know, just sort of showing up with a bit of confidence and showing up going like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, I don't, it's not lying. It's, it's just sort of going, no, I don't know these things yet. But, you know, if that's part of the part of the job, you know, I'd be happy to sink my teeth into. So, uh so yeah, so I'd, I'd say that that's good advice. Um, I'd also s- suggest this has never been explicitly been told to me, um, especially in the in my sort of New York City days. It's really easy to just I think get sucked into things and sucked into it again. There's there's so much to learn. There's so much to do. There's so much that that you know and, and pressure to to sort of do that stuff. It is easy to to just get swept up in it and sort of swept into this sort of very fast moving river. Uh, and that involves working in, 
probably way too many hours, not getting enough sleep, not, you know, taking care of yourself. And that leads to not good situations like burnout and, and, you know, a whole bunch of other things. So, so I'd say that was never said to me and I've had to sort of live through that on my own, uh, you know, to, to sort of come out the other end and go, Oh, okay. That's not good. You know, maybe, maybe you don't need to work 80 hour weeks all the time just to, just to keep up. I like, I like your fake it till you make it one a lot. I actually had a theater teacher tell me something similar when I was younger. She said, you know, if you're ever auditioning and they ask you if you know how to dance, if you know how to play an instrument, if you know how to speak a language, just say yes and figure it out. And honestly, that has never done me wrong. That has always gotten me (laughs) so far. Yeah, I do. I do think that it is, you know, a lot of it comes down. There is this misconception, I think, that people are are innately talented or innately skilled at something. It's there's no doubt that that people have tendencies, you know, have gravitate towards, you know, certain kinds of work or or another certain kinds of skills or another. Uh, But so much of of any sort of creative pursuit, I think just comes down to putting forth an effort. And if you're willing to do that and roll up your sleeves, yeah, you can learn an instrument or learn a new language or learn how to sing or learn how to dance. And it's like, is that going to come, you know, easily to you? Maybe or maybe not. Uh, but if, if it's something that you're passionate about or you're, or you're willing to, to put forth the effort, um, you know, you will be able to to at least have a go at it. <laughs> uh, do you view anybody as your mentor? Oh man, uh, I mean, I mm, I've learned, I've had the pleasure of learning from a lot of people throughout my entire career. Um, I'm really thankful uh, for a lot of the coworkers and stuff I've had, you know, people that I've been able to ride alongside and, and, and sort of learn from and, and uh, you know, grow together, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, again, we're all just sort of figuring this stuff out. We're all just feeling around in the dark. And so it's helpful to, to do that you know, with other people and, you know, have people that you can bounce ideas off of and stuff. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a few friends, uh, you know, that I've done work with at, at some point or another that I'm able to sort of have, you know, ongoing discussions about or bounce ideas off of and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, as far as, as far as like sort of a formal mentorship and stuff, I'd say that, you know, I, I just, I've learned from a lot of people like, I love Twitter for those reasons. I love people sort of out there sort of, you know, sharing links, sharing knowledge and having discussions on things, you know, people sharing, uh, you know, here's what worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. You know, here's, here's this idea. Maybe you could take it and run with it and stuff. So I'd say that like just the broader community, uh, as a whole has been just, has been like a mentor, you know, in, in that, you know, sort of guiding, guiding me along and sort of helping me better understand, you know, how to approach problems and stuff like that. Um, it's cool to see. I didn't realize that like formal mentorships and stuff at companies and stuff were like, were actually a thing or, or just in a, in a, 
in a, a career. And so I, I think that's fantastic. I, I haven't had that experience firsthand, uh, but I do think that it's great to, to sort of have this idea of sort of, you know, here's this person with a lot of experience. Here's somebody that's that's coming up, and you know, there's an opportunity there to sort of, uh, you know, bestow some wisdom on them. Having said how you were able to learn from the community, would you say that web designing as a profession is heavily dependent on networking? Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I would say, you know, I would say, uh, uh, it's, it's the same in any profession really, you know, like obviously who, you know, uh, and you know, how, how you put yourself out there is going to impact, you know, what opportunities you're provided with. And again, sort of like we were talking about earlier and just that willingness to sort of put yourself out there and put, put that foot forward and put in the effort, uh, can go a really long way. Um, you know, I have a lot of people, I do a lot of public speaking and so I'm at a lot of conferences and I'm doing a lot of, you know, stuff of you know, written a book, I've worked on these projects. I've had the opportunity to collaborate with a lot of people and a lot of people will, will ask me and they're like, well, you know, I want to, you know, speak at conferences and I want to sort of do this stuff. Like, how do you go about that? And, and the answer is really, it's like, you know, well, one, you know, you have to work and, and do work, but then you also need to share what you know, you know, and that means, you know, having a blog, that means sort of being out there on Twitter, that means having conversations, um, that means, you know, going to meetups, that means maybe joining Slack channels and, you know, the interest groups that you have and uh, whatever. There's all sorts of opportunities to connect with like-minded people. And if you're out there and contributing, um, you know, if let's just say you're, you're really passionate about, you know, iconography or something like that. Um, you know, if you're out there sort of sharing what you like about iconography, you're sharing your work, you're sharing whatever, uh, there's more of an opportunity where whenever somebody goes, Oh, you know what? I need, I need these, you know, sort of icon. I have these icons in mind. I'd, you know, really like for my project, who should I go and talk to? Uh, you know, there, people aren't going to find you if you're just sort of, you know, you know, keeping it all to yourself Very and you true. might, you might, yeah, you might be a, a really skilled designer, but at the same time, like if nobody, if nobody knows about it, uh, well, that's a problem. <laughs> so and, and there's like this strong belief these days that there's this limited resources, like everything, you know, if you give it out, like you lose it. But really by sharing your knowledge and sharing what you know, you're you're able to establish yourself as an expert in your field. And I wish so many I wish more people would realize that and really just submit more to the world. Yeah. 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 No, I don't, I don't, I've a hundred percent agree with you. There, there is a sort of weird misconception that, uh, you know, you're giving away your, your trade secrets or your, you know, your, uh, yeah, you're losing something by sharing it. But in, in fact, uh, and, and that is, that really is the beauty of, of, uh, of the web and you know, as a medium, you know, for it facilitates that that collaboration and stuff. And if you look at a, a you know a project like 
or well, any open source project, for instance, you know, just the spirit of, of open source is a great, great example. It's like, here's someone that had an idea originally, whether that be a CMS like WordPress, whether that be, uh, you know, uh, a UI toolkit like Bootstrap, whether that be some JavaScript library like jQuery or something like that, you have all these people that, that go, you know what, I think that this is a good idea. I also think that, you know, there's more of an opportunity for it. And so rather than sort of like lock it behind, you know, proprietary, proprietary low, uh, sort of locked doors and sort of trying to keep all that sort of safe and centralized or whatever, you know, by opening it up, more people can contribute to what's ultimately, you know, a good idea. And that good idea grows into a great thing, you know, a great final product as a, as a result. Um, so I love the fact that the web helps facilitate that. And I've sort of, uh, you know, spoke about this in, in the past a, a bit about how, you know, we, the people that work on the web are the people that benefit from those people blogging and tweeting and sharing and creating new GitHub repositories and sharing things on Behance and Dribble and whatever. It's like we directly benefit from other people sharing and we, you know, absorb that into our own work and we hopefully contribute back to that. Um, this is, I think, a relatively new phenomenon because of the, the rise of the web. And what excites me is the opportunity for that mentality, that collaborative, sharing, open mentality to start permeating out into other aspects of society. You know, the web, you know, any... Any industry, you know, whether it's a, a university, a healthcare company, an energy company, a bank, or whatever, you know, has a web presence, has web people, you know, working within those walls. And so I see that as as a huge opportunity. Government, same thing. It's a huge opportunity, I think, for the web to start influencing that that you know, those other industries, those other aspects of society that, you know, Hey, let's open up, let's be more collaborative. Let's, let's share with one another. And in fact, you know, you're not going to lose things. In fact, you're going to gain a lot, uh, from, from being more collaborative. So that's, that's my sort of optimistic <laughs> utopian, uh, sort of, sort of, you know, picture to, to paint. But at the same time, I do think that there is some truth to it. Um, but just at a, at an individual level, I do think that just seeing again and again and again and again, the people that, you know, rise the rank, the people that, you know, are perceived as experts, the people who are doing good things, the people who continue to, to do good things are the people that are out there and are, are contributing and sharing. Absolutely. Um, um, I just want to segue to mistakes, I guess, even at a professional level, what mistakes are most common in your industry? <laughs> I would say a, a false sense of, of knowledge, you know, again, sort of coming at a, a problem, sort of thinking you know the answers and sort of acting on that when, in fact, you don't know the answers <laughs> and, and you don't approach any given sort of problem or whatever with a set of, you know, again, that, that sort of sense of humility, I guess. Uh, a lot of people will go, 
oh, well, that's easy, you know, just do this or whatever. Uh, that I really hate that word just uh, because it implies, yeah, there, there's a sense of arrogance there, I think, where it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is not a hard problem. Like no uh, effort. Yeah, just, just throw this tool at it or just, you know, just do this. I don't see, like, what the big deal is. But, of course, you know, if you go at it with, with sort of a sense of humility – Um, you're more willing to sort of go, okay, well, you know, what's the problem? You know, why is it a problem? And sort of, you know, get underneath the the hood a little bit to, to figure out what's really going on. It's, it's really, it's sort of like, uh, the, the phrase where it's like, you know, treating the, treating the symptom rather than disease. I think that whenever you approach, uh, a web problem with like, uh, you know, just throw a tool at it or just, you know, just do this or just do that. You're, you're sort of blocking off an opportunity to, to sort of actually learn what's really going on and, and maybe come to, to different conclusions. So I do, I see that as a, as a general, uh, uh, sort of mistake. I, I think a lot of people make is, is really just coming at it going, I, I'm awesome. I have the answers and I'm just going to sort of roll my sleeves up <laughs> and do this. And whatever you have crazier still is whenever you have a lot of different people working on the same project and you all have this sort of attitude, uh, that obviously leads to a lot of friction where it's a lot of, you know, my opinion over yours is it becomes more a competition rather than a collaboration. Um, if people had to teach themselves about web design, are there any instructional books that you would recommend to them? Yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, uh, Designing with Web Standards is still a fantastic book as the book that I, I learned. Uh, you know, there's a new there's been a, a new edition uh, since then. Uh, but at the same time. I think that uh, it's a it's a great foundation. Um, my friend Jen Robbins has a great book that's uh, called Learning Web Design, and so that's like a great way to just like like a very fundamental uh, sort of book that just sort of like lays out a lot of concepts and you know what all goes into to you know make making the web work. Uh, there's a, a slew of other books as far as like you know general sort of philosophies and stuff like that. Uh, you know, responsive web design by Ethan Marcotte is obviously a, a, you know, it's how websites are made now. You know, we're making sort of more flexible, you know, fluid websites rather than sort of fixed width desktop only websites and stuff like that. So there's there's a long list of 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 those, but I'd say you know anyone sort of working in the field, I would say, or, or sort of like how to get started, I'd say that a great place to, to go or a great great place to start is to basically make your own website. <laughs> so it's yes. like your, yourname.com and that sort of serves as like the ultimate playground. You know, you, do, you have no one to answer to but yourself and, uh, you know, you could go through that whole process of like designing and building a website and deploying your website to your address. It's like a very sort of visceral, uh, sort of process that could help, you know, people level up very quickly. Um, so yeah, so, so I like that. I also like, uh, I mentioned sort of code Academy and stuff earlier and stuff like that, but, uh, I definitely enjoy those, those courses as far as like learning the, 
the basics or learning the, the fundamentals. And so I'd say, yeah, if, if people are interested in getting into the field, I'd say having your head around the, the fundamentals are, is, is really helpful. And courses like code academies, like web fundamentals or whatever, uh, is, is a really great place. I think to start to go, here's HTML, here's what it does. Here's like, you know, here's, here's CSS, here's what it does. Here's JavaScript. Here's what that does. And just getting your head around, you know, these very, you know, these are the, the, the building blocks of the web. Um, and I'd say that that's important advice for anybody, even if you're just, you know, more on the visual side or more on the UX side or more on the back end side or, you know, maybe front end side. I, th I think that sort of having your head around the raw materials of, you know, how the web gets built is a, is a great place to start. Where on the internet can people keep up with you or the work that you do? <laughs> uh, Bradfrost.com is where sort of I, you know, share stuff and, and blog about things and stuff. I'm also on Twitter at uh, Brad underscore Frost. Uh, so, yeah, so those are those are, I think, like the sort of two main main hubs for me. Hey everyone, this is Ines again. Before you take off, just a few things. Number one, if you're interested in checking out anything that was discussed during this episode, you can check out the show notes with all of that information by following the link in the description. Also, this is Design Dose, a short email where I share a quick behind the scenes of what I'm currently drooling over in the design world. It's just a fun piece of goodness for you to chew over before you get hit by the work week. It includes favorite design pieces I've discovered, interesting design articles, and other crazy magic that I've managed to stumble upon. Check it out. Just go to designbythehive.com and drop in your email to get the very next one. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>